Where is this deflationary recession? Well, the evidence for it continues to pile up. But the better question to ask, why are curves so remarkably consistent? And consistent no matter what has been thrown up in their way along the way. We've got rate hikes and QTs and debt downgrades and famous bond bears shorting everything. We've got Janet Yellen's deluge and none of it seems to matter. None of it seems to shake long-term interest rates out of their steady, consistent, stable trend. Why? And it's not one curve or another either. Look at the U.S. Treasury curve versus its German counterpart. What you see is practically identical. You had inversion go nuclear around October, November last year, and lo and behold, the same thing in the German curve, same exact timing. Its inversion, which was unprecedented beforehand, it goes nuclear in October and November. And in both curves, long-term interest rates have been remarkably steady ever since then. Now with the German curve, they've already got a recession up on the board because as we know now, the German economy fell into recession during the fourth quarter, likely not necessarily October, probably November and into December. But the worst part is, consistent with the steady behavior of long-end interest rates, the worst part of the recession, according to the curve, is still ahead of Germany and probably Europe too. And all incoming data from Germany and Europe suggests that is exactly the case. But if Germany got its recession right, the German curve got its recession already, what about U.S. Treasuries and the U.S. economy? From the perspective of GDP, it looks like the U.S. is really hanging in there. We got the updated estimates for the second quarter, and GDP looks a lot like what Jay Powell and the rest of the FOMC is talking about. It's a resilient system, apparently. It's not booming by any stretch. It's not a hot economy. It doesn't look inflationary, but it does seem to be hanging in there. So did the U.S. Treasury curve miss this one where Germany got its right? No. And the evidence for it is actually in GDP, believe it or not. Because the important part of all of this is incomes. And what incomes tell us about the past recession and maybe what the rest of the recession might look like, not just in Germany or Europe, but also around the rest of the world, including the U.S., that's what's really what's really going to matter. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. If you're interested, we are having a webinar tomorrow, Friday, September 1st, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. There is a link in the description of this video where you can click on it and sign up and register and be ready to go tomorrow evening. We're going to talk about some big picture stuff, some fundamental stuff, and why that matters in the context of a supply shock, consumer prices, 2023, the economy heading into 2024. Basically giving you a sense of what Eurodollar University has to offer in our research subscriptions and our membership. So again, I hope you can join me tomorrow, Friday, September 1st, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Link in the description. I hope to see you there. So the Keynesian theory behind the 2020 and 2021 economic rescues is pretty straightforward, and it sounds pretty intuitive too. It's the idea that when everything is going bad, the government needs to come in and just do stuff. 
You know, as John Maynard Keynes said, build pyramids in the desert, or build pyramids on what was it, Salisbury Plain or something like that. It doesn't matter. Aggregate demand needs to be raised by any and every means necessary. And so the U.S. government following that advice, uh, they came in with a bunch of stuff, including helicopter payments to individuals, PPP loans that ended up being actual gifts from Uncle Sam to lots of businesses, especially big businesses. Anyway, the idea was simple. Let's, let's prime the pump. Let's get aggregate demand up. And what was expected to have happened was that it ignites the virtuous cycle of recovery. That if, we, if the government spends money or if the government influences people to spend money, then spending begets more spending, which begets investment, which leads to hiring, which leads to more spending, which leads to more hiring, more investment, the virtuous circle of recovery. So it was expected that as the government came in and went in huge, in fact, according to many, went in so huge it led to inflation, at least that's their idea, that the economy would stay red hot unless something came in and stopped it. That's where the rate hikes are supposed to come in. The economy got to be so red hot, it was gonna stay red hot for a long time without our hero, Jay Powell, stomping on the brakes through its massive rate hikes. But no, that was never the case. Instead, we had a temporary, dare I say, transitory artificial period where yes, the US government boosted demand through all of its various handouts, but it did not lead to the virtuous circle of recovery, in large part because the U.S. government and governments around the world before that had destroyed a whole hell of a lot of economic potential with their pandemic overreactions, their lockdowns and things. So eventually, at some point, the artificial stimulus, the artificial stipends was going to have to revert as they faded. The economy itself was going to have to revert to its underlying income potential. And the income potential was never what consumer prices made it out to be. As consumer prices surged, they started to come back down in the middle of last year, which was a warning sign, not about rate hikes and the Fed's ability to slow down the economy, a warning sign that slowly, gradually, incrementally, the economy was reverting to its mean, its potential, its impaired potential. And so the curves and their synchronization last year was the markets agreeing with that position that eventually globally synchronized economic potential and output at the same time. In Europe and Germany and specifically, that meant recession at the end of last year. It may also have meant recession at the end of last year in the United States too. And we have good evidence for this in the form of GDP figures, but not the expenditure side. The GDP numbers that we're all familiar with, that's looking at the economy as expenses. Every time we spend a dollar and get a good or service in return, that goes into GDP expenditures. The flip side of that from the other perspective is every dollar that's spent is a dollar received in income. So GDP's twin, or at least what it's supposed to be, as a twin is GDI, gross domestic income. And I did a video on this back in May, three months ago when GDI for the first quarter came out, which suggested that the US economy was probably entering recession around the fourth quarter of last year. By the income numbers, that seemed to be the case. And with the 
First revision to the second quarter GDP numbers that came out yesterday, we also got the first set of estimates for GDI. And guess what they showed? That when you look at GDI, it looks nothing like GDP. GDI makes it look like just, makes it work, look worse than Germany and Europe, as if the recession that began last year has only deepened. There was a small positive in GDI during the second quarter, but just 0.5% annual rate quarter over quarter following what had been two substantial declines. 1.8% uh, annual rate in the first quarter of 2023 and 3.3% annual rate of decline in the fourth quarter. So just like Germany, we fell into a GDI-based recession or a GDI-revealed recession. And then in the second quarter, there was a modest rebound. But this, this is where the consistency in curves come in. Where the German curve said, yep, we're already in recession and we're still looking for worse ahead, the U.S. Treasury curve is saying the same thing. We might have fallen into recession, or likely fell into recession last year, but the worst is still, the worst part of it is still ahead of us. And as I talked about three months ago, GDI is a far better cyclical indicator than GDP. You don't have to take my word for it. You can just look at the data yourself as I did in that video. We looked at 2007, which was a very good example because GDI fell sharply in 2007 before we really got to the sharp downturn in GDP in 2008. So if you were following GDI as a cyclical indicator in 2007, you were already thinking recession as the markets were at that time. Uh, same thing has happened in previous cycles too, 1990, as well as 1980, actually 1979. GDI has been a better cycle predictor than GDP. There is some scholarship, uh, some academic studies that back that up. I referenced one in our deep dive analysis just yesterday, which showed that changes in D GDI as they're released do a lot to explain not just economic terms, but also eventual changes and revisions in GDP, believe it or not, because GDI is the better cyclical indicator. And one reason why that is, is because, as I said at the beginning, it's always about incomes. Uncle Sam and his stipends can change things for a temporary period of time, but boosting aggregate demand through just arbitrary means does not lead to a full and complete recovery. It does not heal what might have been really substantial damage during the pandemic period. And eventually the economy really does have to settle back on its potential. Today, the Bureau of Economic Analysis, which is the same group, the same government agency, which produces the GDP numbers, they came out with more really sobering income statistics, monthly income statistics, personal spending and personal income. And as I've mentioned just a month ago, when we went over the the June update for these very same statistics, incomes don't look good at all. Let's start with real disposable personal income, real DPI. What you see is exactly what we've been saying throughout this video, exactly what we've been saying all along, exactly what curves have been pricing for ever since they inverted really in March of last year. That is that incomes were temporarily artificially boosted in that in that Uncle Sam period, that pandemic period, after the CARES Act in March of 2020, and really the big 
the big infusions in December of 2020, as well as then January and March and April of 2021, huge influx of savings, quote unquote savings. But then what happened after it? They fell and they started to lag well behind the trend. You can see it here in real disposable personal income where over the last year and a half, it real, it real incomes have been way, way, way behind the previous trend, which wasn't all that great to begin with, the pre-2020 trend, not the pre-2008 trend, which is nowhere near any of these things. In other words, actual incomes, despite all the hoopla about the labor shortage, uh, the L-shaped Phillips curve, remember that thing, incomes have lagged. And not just in real terms either, but in real terms especially. We haven't been able to keep up with consumer price changes because the underlying economic fundamentals were not supportive of a full recovery, a temporary artificial period of government intervention. And as that intervention wear, slowly wore off over time, we're going back and reverting to the underlying income fundamentals, which judging by real GD, real D, real GDI, as well as DPI, too many initials here, real DPI is not just behind the trend, but as you can see in recent months, it's falling further and further behind and including the month of July. According to the latest figures from the BEA, real DPI suddenly declined by two tenths of a percent month over month in July. That was after being flat in June. So, Two months when consumer prices are decelerating and yet real DPI, real disposable personal income is flat to actually lower. And it's been decelerating and rolling over throughout the middle part of this year, suggesting like GDI does, the U.S. may have fallen into recession. Despite what the payroll figures might say, the U.S. might have fallen into recession and incomes are behaving recessionary too. It's not just real DPI either, nominal DPI, nominal di disposable personal income. According to the BEA's latest numbers in July, nominal P uh, DPI, I almost said GDI again, nominal DPI was zero, flat. It was only, it was very fractionally higher, but 0% change month over month in July, nominal disposable in personal income. That's not a good sign because you don't normally see flat monthly uh, disposable personal incomes. The last time we saw anything like that outside of the lockdown periods anyway, December of 2019, uh, nominal DPI fell at a two-tenths of a percent annual rate. December 2019, last time we were talking about inverted curves and recessions before uh, 2020's pandemic. Uh, before that, you got to go to February 2016 and November 2015. Again, near recession territory. Nominal DPI was 0% in both of those months. So when you see nominal DPI weaken and flatten like it has in the last couple of months, June and July, according to these statistics, consistent with GDI, which is warning of an impending recessionary event. And it goes on and on throughout the income statistics. One that we look at all the time and one that you should look at all the time is real personal income excluding transfer receipts. Now, this is a measure of private economic incomes or private incomes that are generated by the private economy, excluding transfer receipts, adjusted for prices. And what you see there is exactly the same thing. When you take away the government stipends, what you see is 
Just what I've been saying, the incomes have lagged way, way behind. And then if the economy does have to revert to its fundamental, uh, its fundamental support, which is incomes, we might be in some serious trouble here because adjusted for consumer prices, real private incomes have been nowhere near enough to keep up spending. And so what that means is for spending at some point, we exhaust savings, whatever has been left of those transfers, which were now what, more than two years in the rearview mirror, once savings get depleted, once those savings that were that were that used to be in the hands of consumers have shifted to certain businesses that were major beneficiaries of the pandemic period, once that's completed, consumers don't have anything. Businesses don't have anything left. Spending really starts to fall off. And that brings us back to the GDP number, what I said at the beginning, the most important one, nominal GDP nominal incomes, even in nominal terms, the economy appears to be rolling over. The evidence is piling up for both a recession and a worse recession or the same recession getting worse over the months ahead, not just in Germany or Europe, but also in the United States. So answering the question that we asked at the beginning or the second question, why have curves been so remarkably stable and consistent? because more and more we can see that it's lining up with the recession. And by the time that everything does align, by the time that all the data does say unambiguously that we're in recession, by then it'll be too late. If you wanna see that previous video I did on GDI and how it can tell us about cyclical indications, click on the link below me. As always, I thank you very much for joining me. I thank Eurodollar University research subscribers and our Eurodollar University members. And until next time, take care.